The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God comes to earth in the humility of Christ, here and now, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, Marsh Chapel, through our radio congregation at WBUR 90.9 FM and around the globe by internet at WBUR.org. We welcome you, friends, neighbors, and all. We solicit your responses, prayerful, emailed, or written. We encourage your selection, self-selection of ministry and service in our midst, 
And as you are able and as the Spirit moves, we encourage you to be with us for worship. Today we welcome the Harvard Memorial Church Choir to our chancel, their organist Chris Lane and their director Edward Jones, even as, as we have dispatched and had them swim across the river to Harvard, our own Marsh Chapel Choir with Scott Allen Jarrett and Justin Blackwell at the organ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As you are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins, and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, our time hungers for the language of contrition, longs for a spirit of compassion, thirsts for a sense of compunction, so we gather and pause for time of prayer, even as our choir leads us in the singing of the Kyrie. May we pray. that still can ring forget your perfect offering there is a crack in everything that's how the light gets in beloved hear the good news if we confess our sin God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness thanks be to God a lesson from the book of the prophet Isaiah chapter 40 verses 21 through 31 Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, and make the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them away off like stubble. To whom, then, will you compare me, and who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, he who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. 
His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us say responsively verses from Psalm 147 with the antiphon. praises to our God. For God is gracious, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of a runner. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord. of God rise up, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Dei, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. O Lord. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. 
and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. My friend visits his mother frequently. She is 100 years old and lives quietly in a quiet nursing home on the North Shore. They have lived as a family in many regions, many locations and situations, now here on the East Coast. As can happen, there has developed a deep, loving friendship between son and mother. I wonder what Peter's relationship with his mother-in-law was. I wonder if his relationship there approximated the connection that I know exists between my friend and his mother. On the day I'm thinking of, he visited her in the later afternoon, and they remembered, as one does. You will be, many of you, familiar with the condition tagged by the term sundowning, that 
Many who are able in the morning and at lunch and in the early afternoon to retain a clarity by the time twilight descends lose a bit of mental grip. The boat lies unmoored and floats a little bit. And as it happened that day, this was a twilight visit. The deliverance mentioned in Mark happens at sundown. We're looking always for connections between our tradition and our experience, that vital nexus that Peter Berger and others have so happily described for us in our time, where we find a living experience of the divine. When they visit, my friend and his mother remember, they discuss quotidian details, they survey the world scene, and they recall days past, as they did on this afternoon. In that, they resemble our gathering today. We're here to remember. To remember come Sunday, the moment of resurrection. To remember come Lord's Day, the power that gives us the capacity to start over, the potential of starting over. And so they had gathered and remembered, as we do. We remember in liturgy, in our prayers. We remember in music, in hymnody, maybe especially in hymnody. We remember in readings and in comment and conversation about the readings. Mark was remembering, too. He was writing in the year 70 AD, remembering events in the year 30, 40 years earlier. You'll notice in this reading there's very little in the historical cupboard. The historical cupboard is almost bare. There's no naming of the mother-in-law. There's no place particularly. There's no furniture in the room. There's no room. Mark didn't need the detail because, as we trust, so his community trusted in the living presence of the risen Christ. And these stylized memories, these sketches are meant just to open the door to a word spoken and heard, a power, a resurrection power, a power, in this case, to start over. Mark has inherited, already stitched together for him, three accounts. One is of an individual healing, One is of a group deliverance, and one is of the power of prayer, Jesus alone. Mark shades the account. You will want to watch him this winter and spring and listen carefully for what Mark does, because here, for the first time, but there are a dozen occurrences of it in our earliest gospel. Mark describes Jesus as a incognito messiah. Jesus travels through a series of secret epiphanies, but at every point, he says, when the demons know him, he says, he charges them not to speak. When he heals, he tells the healed one not to say anything. When the disciples come near, he tells them the same, shh, be quiet. Not much of a marketing strategy. What is Mark describing here? He's describing a Messiah incognito. Why? Well, there are two options. You'll need to be the judge. One is that Mark is trying to explain, this is an apologetic purpose, explain why Moore did not respond to Jesus during his earthly ministry. Answer, he was the secret Messiah. He was the Messiah incognito. That's possible. I prefer the second option. Maybe you will as as well by the time we get to Easter. And that is that Mark writes so to remind us that the experience of Christ begins with resurrection. 
and that anything that comes prior to that, though prolegomena, though preparation for the gospel, doesn't give the power to start over. So all these accounts are veiled in Mark, are hidden, awaiting the possibility of a new beginning, the chance to start over. On this evening of visitation, my friend paused at the last. I would like to imagine that he read, as he often did, with, does with his mother, a, a part of the Psalms. Maybe he heard, as we did today, that steadfast love can be itself a kindling of hope. Isn't that a remarkable thing, that acts of kindness themselves can be a source of hope? Or maybe he did read Mark 1 and 32, at sundown they all came to him. And then he put on his hat, and he put on his coat, and he put on his scarf, and he began to bid farewell. But this was twilight. And so after all this time, his mother leaned forward. I find her questions so pregnant with meaning and power. She leaned toward him and said, Now, remind me again who you are. And he took off his hat and he put down his scarf and he told again a little bit of son and mother and many settings and family memories. And then they paused and she nodded and he put on his hat and coat and scarf and began to go and she leaned forward again and said, even as he had said to her, I love you very much, she said to him, now tell me again why it is that we love each other? Tell me again, remind me how it is that we love each other. I'm going to ask you to set my friend and his mother aside for a moment. We'll come back to them at the end of the sermon. We'll just put them, keep them in the mind's eye, if you will, because we have a gospel to announce that is a part of our memory of who we are and why it is that we love each other. To begin with, and there are other occasions, but this is an exciting occasion where the individual stands out. And Mark, that's not always the case, particularly in passages like this that are apocalyptic in language and imagery. But here, Mark reminds us in starting over that the world gets better one person at a time. There is, that is, in the healing presence of the risen Christ, a powerful influence to start over. We remember that on Sunday morning. You may have missed several classes in a course that you mistakenly took on the bungled information that it was easy. It's not too late. There's still time to return, go to the professor and say, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your student. Treat me as one of your assistants. And she will say she will gather you up and give you a plan. It's not too late to start over. It's not too late if you got on the wagon this January 1 and decided to continue and then you fell off, you're not alone. It's not too late to start over. It's not too late if you had the intention during this winter to patch up, to smooth over some relationships in family or in work or in your living situation. The time is still here. It's not too late to start over. It's not too late to start over if you have begun looking for another job. You may have this uh, pink slip enforced possibility to start over across the country 
82% of those who have lost jobs have been men. So we'll say to the men, it's not too late to start over. The power, the healing influence of Christ is such that it gives us time to begin again. You may need to find that old book from a recession some decade, a decade ago, who moved my cheese, and look at it and read it, but there is still time to start over. In this nave, in the midweek, we celebrated the life and faith of a graduate of Boston University, Rosie Dixon. She was an African-American woman who had been born in 1949 and had worked after graduation from high school in a what must have been for someone of her temper, temperament a devastatingly dull job filing at the back in a small room of, in an insurance company. And then along the street came a friend of hers who told her about an opening, a new program at Boston University, O-D-W-I-N. I don't know what the letter stood for, but it was a program open to the community to train and deploy nurses. And she went, she was healed, and she became a healer herself. Do you notice in the reading that healing leads to service. How I loved her, her niece's poem about her. Her niece, Melissa Goodruff, is a poetess. She wrote with this refrain, Auntie Rose, love being Auntie Rose, and spoke about her life. Her love of PBS and the BBC and Charlie Rose and the Met and New York City and Chinatown and the bright lights and the opera and the chance to see what people were wearing at the opera and to think about the future of the world and to think about it with hope as she drove down the Charles River listening to Mozart in her car. There is, said Irenaeus, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The power to start over falls first to the individual. The world gets better one person at a time. There is also in the deliverance practiced by Jesus, the delivering power of Jesus, an influence for lasting good in a communal and a societal nature. You know, we as a country may have missed opportunities over the last decade or two to build carefully bridges that may lead toward global peace, but there's still time. There's time to start over. We may have let the expanse, the expansive cavern between those who have the very most and those who have the very least grow to an unmanageable distance. But there is still time. There's time to start over. We may have our own deep recession-induced opportunity to read again the book of the prophet Amos, let justice roll down like water and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. We may, that is, have a chance together to look at the common interest common faith, common ground, common hope in which we are engaged by the divine spirit. It's not too late. There is time to start over. And what better place to do it than right here at Marsh Chapel? Our interest and our belief is that the Christian faith will always live in a two-way street relationship with the religions of the world. That is, you can walk with me on one day and visit the Hillel House and on a Friday morning to hear about a program related to grief. They invited a professor, a good professor from Harvard to speak, and it was wonderful. A couple of hours later to visit Qasim Salimi, who was leading the Islamic Society in prayers, you know, down in the basement of the 
GSU, there he was, or to go as we did later that afternoon to visit the Swami at the corner of Deerfield and Bay State Road. You can walk a two-way street and engage religion and intellect, the Christian faith, with the religions of the world. Likewise, we are called to engage religious community with human community near and far, so through the week we think together about student life and student policies and procedures for life at the university. We engage in a secular celebration of Valentine's Day. We find a way to let the breathing in and out of the religious community intersect with the society around. It's not too late. There's time to start over and let the deliverance that Jesus promises freeing those all who came from the city from the demonic spell to allow an, enliven, uh, an enlivening and rich newness to pervade our life together. You know, this summer as I was preparing for the sermons in the fall, I had the chance to hunt, maybe you've done so, hunt in a box for something I knew was there, but memory is a strange thing. I find that as my memory is seems more certain the actual uh, validity of what I remember may not be the case at all. That is that the certainty I feel about a memory is in inverse proportion to the facts. The other day I greeted and addressed a friend naming him as a graduate of Cornell. He was not. He did not. And while he wasn't offended by my mismemory, neither was he honored. We need to be careful with memory. I begin the day, not quite every day, but most days of the week reading three or four pages of Proust to gaze again at the magic of memory, the power of memory, even though it slips and slides. So I knew that there was at the bottom of some box uh, a copy of, speaking of starting over, G.B. Caird's inaugural from his entrance at McGill in the 1950s. And I went through as an archaeologist would, you know, there was paper, and there was mimeograph paper, and there was carbon paper, and there was whiteout, and there was typewriter ribbon. This is ancient days, 20 years ago. And there at the bottom was his inaugural. We remember it today. It fits squarely to Mark 1 and 32. He said, after all of the diversifying difference in the study of the New Testament, New Testament the New Testament has three things to say. I'm modifying his language to fit the time. Something about the freedom of God, something about the freedom of the human being, and something about the power of personal experience. The New Testament guides us over against fatalism, materialism, and loneliness, and guides us to a sense of purpose, a sense of community and friendship, and a sense that the kingdom of heaven is beyond, finally, in full this world. And there he was giving a word about starting over. In this season in which we trace the ministry of Jesus and linger in the power of his resurrection promise, we pause to trust that as a community and as individuals, we have a way to start again. And so with my friend and his mother, I paused to listen to her. You know, your memory isn't quite as good as you think it is. When you're certain, you may not be completely sure. For that reason, you gather on Sunday morning. 
to be in the presence of the resurrection promise, even as he, doffing his hat, placing his coat, gathering himself, leaning toward his beloved, listened to her lingering question. Tell me again how it is that we love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and one who loves is born of God and knows God, for God is love. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent God's Son to be the expiation of our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love abides in us and God's love is perfected in us. Dear friends, we come to the time in our service when we offer our prayers and petitions before the throne of God. I invite you to stand, kneel, come to the communion rail, or remain as you are according to your tradition as we sing together, Lead Me, Lord. With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, for the loving kindness of God, and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our dean and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our president, for the leaders of the nations, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this city of Boston, for every city and community, and for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the good earth which God has given us, 
and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who travel on land, on water, or in the air, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and the suffering, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have died in the hope of the resurrection, and for all the departed, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. From deliverance from all danger, violence, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may end our lives in faith and hope, without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins, but the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of that heavenly city, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. It is with great joy this morning that we welcome the Harvard University Choir under the direction of Gund University organist and choir master Edwin Elwin Jones and his assistant Christian Lane. We thank them for their musical offering among us this morning. 
We would encourage you here in the nave to participate in our ritual of friendship by signing in on the red book at the end of each pew. We do encourage you to sign in every week so that we might be in touch with one another throughout our life and ministry together here at Marsh Chapel. For those of you listening on the radio, you can see our new chapel website. The front page has been updated, and you can click the online the link marked Giving to contribute to our life and ministry here together at Marsh Chapel. We would invite you to join us for lunch following the service downstairs in the Marsh Room. We would remind you that this Wednesday at 7 p.m. will be our monthly Teze prayer service here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. And we would encourage you to be in touch with Elizabeth Fomby in the main office if you would be able to participate in our Valentine's Day celebration on Friday, February 13th at 5.30 p.m. next door in Barristers Hall here at the BU School of Law. Now walk in love as Christ loves us and offering and sacrifice to God.
God, who gives strength to the powerless and healing to the brokenhearted. In a world that puts so much hope in money, we offer our gifts to you in the faith that they can be transformed to something more than their worldly worth, and we can be transformed to spreaders of peace, beacons of hope, and advocates of love. Amen. sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>